NAD Ministerial presents Leadership Effect, Learning Effective Leadership Lessons with Ivan Williams. I want for us to turn there to the Old Testament. I'm going to read. Welcome to e <laughs> And this morning we're having a baby dedication. You know, every now and then. We baptize you now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Spirit of the we're about to go eat. I want to thank you for the food. Is there a second to the motion? To present to you the happiest newlyweds in all the land. Muy buenos días, amigos, hermanos y familias. God, give us strength and power to live like you told us to live. Today, Sandra Roberts. You know, go through the doors that are open. They may not be the ideal, but God will use that to shape and form you and take advantage of the opportunities that that come up might not be your perfect your perfect choice Mm. of how you see god using you but god will use that and god will shape and form you and like i said i can look back ivan and just so grateful for the way that god used all of those experiences to grow me in my in my own leadership and my breadth of understanding and then my ability to um, work with people and it just it he doesn't he doesn't waste mm. and he doesn't waste our pain he doesn't waste the crisis in our life God uses all of that to shape and form us and I can look back and just praise him for that welcome to the leadership effect podcast Eleanor Roosevelt wife to President Franklin Roosevelt said something we believe helps describe our guest today. She said, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you stop to look fear in the face. Our guest, Sandra Roberts, serves as the president of the largest conference in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in North America. She shares how God connects the seemingly scattered, disconnected dots of your experience and then uses them for His glory. She talks about resilience, discouragement, having courage, how to handle marginalization, and she also will disclose what her leadership journey has been like as a single female minister. You've come to the right podcast if you're interested in learning how to be an effective leader. Let's join this vital conversation with our host, Ivan Williams, as he talks with Sandra Roberts, president of the Southeastern California Conference in Riverside, California. Sandy, at what point in your life did you decide to serve in full-time ministry? You know, Ivan, that's a really interesting question because I think as a older woman in ministry right now, um, at the time that I was looking at vocational options, this really wasn't one in our church. And so I've often just said I had a really zigzaggy path to ministry, like I think a lot of women my age did. Um, my parents both worked for the church. My dad was a hospital administrator. My mom was the president, um, the president's secretary at the union office and other places for, you know, worked, worked in the denomination. So I, I felt very comfortable in the world of church work and, I don't think it was though until I was really in high school that I began to think about um, what it would look like for me to work for the church. And at that point, it came through 
working at summer camp. And I was loving my summers at summer camp and looking at the youth director and thinking, you know what? I could do that job. I could be a youth director, but I realized you had to be a pastor to do that. And it took probably several years before that reality came in my life. I went to college and declared that I wanted to take religion, theology, and hostile environment for women. There were about four of us, I think, in in classes at that time. And so I dropped out of that and took dietetics, thinking at least I could make money doing something. I (laughs) decided to, I like to eat, I like to cook, and I had no idea what a dietitian did, but I needed to do something. So my parents, who were so gracious, said, Sandy, do something that you think you love and can make money at. And if you have opportunity later to go back and, you know, finish that, that degree and pursue ministry, we'll support you and we'll pay for it. So I felt very released and free to, to take a path that worked for me. Hmm. So I did, I graduated um, with a BS in dietetics from college, but I was immediately hired by the church to work at an academy as a girls dean and a teacher and I taught for four years, but I did um, then have an opportunity to go into youth work because I'd worked at summer camp, and I still did not see myself even as a pastor of a church. Again, that just wasn't a reality in our church at that time. Sure. But I still, um, I got hired in the youth department at the Pacific Union office to work um, side by side there with the youth director, and it was actually the North America division that because I was in the union office and got acquainted with the youth department at the division that they actually, you all sent me to the seminary <laughs> to Andrews to go to school. Really? And <laughs> yes, that it was a very unusual situation, but they, um, you know, God opened that door for me to go to Andrews. And because of the time frame, I ended up not doing the MDiv, but doing an MA actually in religious education and, I finished school, and then the job no longer existed at the North America division. I was without a job. Wow. So I went back to dietetics, and, back, and I kind of bounced back and forth. So it was really taught Bible for a few years, and then was hired here in Southeastern to come back into youth department work. And I didn't actually pastor a local church for quite some time. I was in youth ministry, did campus chaplaincy at um, Lumland Academy and some of those kinds of roles. But it yeah. wasn't until after Lumland that I actually had the opportunity to pastor a church in a conference that was very proactive in hiring female pastors. So it was, you know, I can't say it was like any aha moment of this is what I'm going to do. I had this passion for, for serving and for wanting mm-hmm. to work for the church, but those doors were open, close, open, close. That was kind of the path that I think, again, that reflects the journey of a lot of particularly women in ministry. People see you in this seat and they don't know your journey. And and so, Sandy, also share with me, what were some of the key points or challenges or growth points in your journey? 
And uh, I mean, did you plan to be a president <laughs> in your mind? <laughs> you know. Oh my, never, never. In fact, <laughs> no, that was the farthest thing from my mind. And you know, I was probably one of those typical youth pastor, um, <laughs> youth director people that looked at conference administration and thought, you know, I will never be one of those people that wears the uniform of a suit every day and doesn't have a clue what they're doing. And, um, you know, God has a sense of humor. Here I am. He does. I have to wear the uniform a lot of times, and I really most days don't have a clue what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> never say never. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, so, it wasn't an aspiration. All right. And so now you're there. Uh, and looking back in your journey, how God has matured you, prepared you, um, he has grown you to be uh, effective, more effective, most effective in many ways. Um, were there some key points in your journey, uh, some aha moments when you can look back and say, you know, I needed that for this role, maybe as uh camp director or as secretary. Lord, I thank you for that challenge back then. Oh, constantly. I can look back and see how God used my zigzaggy journey to shape and form me. Mm. You know, one of one of the favorite um, books that I, I reflect on when I'm asked that question is um, Reggie McNeil's The Work of Heart. And at times in our lives, he takes the various experiences that we've had. And yes, I had many scattered experiences that didn't really seem to connect in any way other than I was paid by the church. But I do believe that these jobs of secretary, president, leadership have, have converged those experiences. Mm. So having taught and having worked on a, on a large campus like Loma Linda Academy, where I also had some administrative roles, I, I, you know, I now, I now have 19 schools in our conference that I work with, and I, I know what those teachers go through. I know what happens, you know, behind the scenes at a school and, and what that takes. And um, having a background in dietetics, and um, I did have that, I did use it going through um, times of a few gaps of unemployment and things like that, where I was kind of waiting to see what God would do next. I, I'm so grateful now because as you know, you know, we have, we as presidents often are engaged in Adventist health, um, boards and meetings. And mm -hmm. I understand the hospital system. I, I know it. And I, I understand the lingo when they're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, all these things that, you know, come together now in this role, um, I'm grateful because I think most presidents, or people come into a role only having a local church pastor experience. Yeah. But um, the breadth of experience that God has um, given me, I find really enriching at this point in time. Mm. And, and, and so what would you say to a young person who may be wrestling with working uh, for the church? Your parents work for the church. Uh, you're working for the church now. Um and, and and maybe they aren't in an official ministry capacity. What what encouragement would you share with them? You know, I I would encourage every young person or even older person to serve where you can. 
you know, go through the doors that are open. They may not be the ideal, but God will use that to shape and form you and take advantage of the opportunities that, that come up might not be your perfect, your perfect choice Mm. of how you see God using you, but God will use that and God will shape and form you. And like I said, I can look back, Ivan, and just so grateful for the way that God used all of those experiences to grow me in my in my own leadership and my breadth of understanding and then my ability to um, work with people and mm. it just it he doesn't he doesn't waste mm. and he doesn't waste our pain he doesn't waste the crisis in our life. God uses all of that to shape and form us, and I can look back and just praise Him for that. Oh, that's great! That's that's a learning lesson right there. Um, and there were times I have to admit there were times it was discouraging, you know, to feel like even after I got my education, I I would say that there were many times that it would be easy to be discouraged. Um, and I think I think resiliency, choosing to be resilient, and choosing. Yeah to believe that God does have you and God will use you and just trusting that. And it's amazing how God does. But um, I think sometimes we may not know, maybe not even until eternity, how that all played out. Yeah. Well, I I can't keep going, Sandy. I got to stop there just for a moment. Discouragement is a reality in ministry. Um. What has helped you to be resilient? You know, I mean, you, you mentioned, uh, and I've experienced those as well, times without employment yeah. in ministry. What kept you going? What picked you up? Talk to me. Yeah. Were there friends? Were there mentors? Were there colleagues? Yes, all of the above. <laughs> and I, I would say, you know, my parents have always been incredibly supportive and believing in me. And, and that was huge in my life. Parents who really, really encouraged me and continued to believe that, you know, God, God would use me and prayed through that with me. Um, I also think my, you know, my various employers that I had along the way, I mean, working in various conferences, I worked in Michigan conference, I worked in, um, Central California conference and um, very, very affirming and very supportive that, you know, the job opportunities just weren't there. But I think I also had a mentor um, who really poured into my life and reminded me that we have to be the people of God before we do the work of God. And I think sometimes I, I just chose to frame it in my own mind that I was kind of in God's waiting room. Mm. Um, and that was what I was to do right then. And, you know, he was continuing to shape and form me at that time, but God would use it. And I think that resiliency has to come from, again, just choosing to, to trust God and to be the person of God before you do the work of God. Thank you, Sandy. You know, you are a leader, What have you learned what not to do from other leaders? Mm. (laughs) Uh, I I know you've learned a lot. You talked about being shaped by mentors, colleagues. 
Uh, what, what about what not to do as a leader? You know, I think as leaders, sometimes it is easy to get very task-oriented and very program-oriented. Um, I think I've, I've learned, because I, I can easily go to, to tasks and to... Um, You're task-oriented, huh? That never ends. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I think it's important to remember to put people ahead of programs, always. Always put people ahead of programs. And that was a lesson I think I really had to learn. Um, mm-hmm. I think also just prioritizing, again, your own spiritual journey um, and allowing your work to flow out of that is vitally important. And um, to not allow yourself to get so focused on the work that never ends, that yeah. you don't nurture your own soul and your own relationships and your own um your own your own spiritual growth because pretty soon you begin to see um, and I think I did reach a point in my life where I was absolutely burned out and um, and and the results showed of that I, I it was it was showing and um, I had to you know stop and learn that there's a pacing there's a um, a prioritizing that has to happen in your life yeah. Um, with your relationships and with your time with God and um, just spending that unhurried time. And it, it, that was a journey I had, to, I had to take. We will return to Dr. Sandra Roberts in a moment. Have you taken the time to sign up for our Best Practices newsletter? It's written by pastors for pastors. Go to nadministerial.com to sign up for the newsletter. You'll also find many more resources to help your leadership effectiveness. And by the way, we are always looking for great articles written by ministry leaders. So go to nadministerial.com if you'd like to help us help ministers grow and thrive. Oh, and by the way, we'll pay you. Let's go back to our conversation with an amazing leader, Sandra Roberts. I think also just, um, just making sure that you understand that we are serving. Mm-hmm. We are serving a diverse church and that we are called to serve everyone and to be, to be that servant leader, to be, to be that person that doesn't take ourselves too seriously. I think that's another mistake. A lot of us as leaders, we just take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> what not and, to do. Um, Mm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, just don't don't take yourself too seriously, and you know, be be have fun with it. Just have fun with it. Yeah. I've got to ask you some elephant in the room questions, if you don't mind. As the first female president um, in Southeastern and the North American Division, what has your experience been like uh, when so many of your colleagues are men? And you don't have uh, female counterparts necessarily leading another conference. Talk to me about that. What has that experience been been like? Has it been rich, challenging, um, sad? What do you think? All of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest, it's been all of the above. You know, Ivan, it is, um, for the most part, 
my colleagues have been so embracing and so so wonderful here in North America Division. Um, the the conference presidents I I have a privilege to serve side by side with here in the Pacific Union are amazing and embracing. Um, North America Division, you know, officers, our union officers of the Pacific Union have all been very, very embracing and 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 speaking positively to me. Okay. Um, as you're aware, probably you know, with with the general conference hasn't been the same, and um, I I haven't been able to you know be treated the same as my male colleagues as far as access to meetings and things like that, which has yeah. been, that's, that's been painful to be honest with you, but you know, I understand it. And, but I, but I also have discovered that, you know, in, in this process of the last many years, um, there's still a lot that we need to work on as a, as a culture in North America division, yeah. um, in the language that we use. I can't tell you how many times I have, you know, been in a meeting and say, say we're having a president's meeting and, um, right. you know, often spouses are, are invited, which is another interesting layer in my life. I'm single. I've never been married. And, you know, leadership also often plans events and things around married couples, you know, and here I am, not only I am the, I am the employee, but I also don't have a spouse. <laughs> <along> <laughs> <with> <laughs> <me>. <laughs> so it's, it, there's a marginalization that happens there. Um, you know, with just the out of the meeting time when you got to dinner or do things, it just that happens too. Mm-hmm. But um, I go to I go to conference presidents meetings for the North American Division, and you know, in the mornings this happens year after year after year. In the mornings they have worship with the spouses there, and then they say, "So the women can leave the room now." Ah, that continues to happen even this, you know, even as last year and it's just a lack of consciousness of we you know using language that is language for men consciousness. and women huh. yeah okay and i i will often be in meetings you know even even in our union other places that you know it starts out well good afternoon gentlemen <laughs> you know so it it i i think there's some sensitivity that we need to continue to work on yeah. um not intentional i get that but it 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 is a little jab every time you hear that, and mm. we have habits, and we have um, we have some work some work to do. But in general, Ivan, it's been a very positive experience for me, and I felt very welcomed and embraced and encouraged, and mm. and seen. I feel like as as a as a colleague, Sandy. That's that's um, that's a that's a wealth of an answer. Um, we do need to learn to be gender inclusive in our language um, and in our culture, have that mindset of men and women, women and men, and and speak to the issues in that gender inclusiveness. I, I receive that. And I thank you for, in my opinion, foot stomping that. You know, Sandy, someone may not know all of the nuances of uh, stuff you have to deal with. And I'm going to stay here for a moment as a female president, as a female leader in our church. um, What would you say to someone who feels marginalized 
and people question their role and their right to do something because of their gender. Help somebody with that answer, please, Sandy. Well, and that is a true reality. And I think in some ways it's not getting a lot better right now in our church. Um, Unfortunately, there's voices that continue to get empowered and um, it is, it is tough. And I know as we work with our female pastors, it it can be discouraging, but um, I always just encourage just stay the course and, and, you know, be willing to have, open dialogues and, you know, have the courage to talk to people and listen. And, you know, you're probably not going to change their mind, but you can still pastor to them and be their friend. Mm. And um, maybe eventually their mind will change. But I think it's also important for, for us as, you know, a division and conferences to, to really have places where women in ministry who are, are going to experience that. I mean, there's just, if you're going to be a female in ministry, you will experience that. And um, to have places where those things can be, experiences can be safely processed. Um, We, we have um, here in our, our conference, Kendra Holoviak, we pay her part time. She's a professor at Lafayette University to, to be there for our female pastors and work with them and, process with them. We give her money to take them out to eat. We have meetings where we all get together and share stories and, Wonderful. and there's a resilience in the sisterhood of women in ministry. <laughs> you know, um, give me some insight then, uh, Sandy in, uh, or regarding setting a new agenda, uh, starting something new. You know, I think it's important to remember any new context you enter is that you must first learn the context. You must first listen. You must first build relationships. You must first really, really, truly project that you you love people and you're here to serve them and you're here to work with them and that you are going to collaborate with them. You know, I think sometimes, Ivan, we have as leaders often borrowed so many leadership principles from the business world. Mm-hmm. And some of those are good and some of those are very healthy. Mm-hmm. But there are some that are not really congruent with servant leadership. Yeah. And I think it's vitally important for us as, as spiritual leaders moving into a new context for us to work collaboratively and for us to not be, not be the one who develops a vision on our own, mm-hmm. but that we believe and live out what it means to have a priesthood of all believers that God doesn't just speak to me as a president. God speaks to my team and to, to everyone that I work with and that we're going to establish together what God is giving us as a vision for this conference. It's not mine. It's ours in a church. It's not the pastor. It's ours. And I, I think that is so different than the business model, Mm. but to me, that's servant leadership, and that is understanding that God works through every person, mm-hmm. and God will speak through every person, and we need to be kind of the the hub of listening and taking all that information and working together then to establish vision and, and where we're headed and direction. Yeah. 
But I think the biggest mistake, again, pastors can make is going in with a vision for our church and saying, so this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't do that at any level of leadership. That's we true. really need to be collaborative. You know, um, yeah, collaboration. I think being authentic, being authentic mm-hmm. and being being real, okay. being honest, um, building that trust is so important. Um, being being doing what you say you're going to do, following through on things, being a person who's approachable and people know that you honestly care for them. Mm. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big believer that relationships matter in leadership. Um, I also think it is important to continue to learn and to grow, um, to be that lifelong learner and, and to be courageous with the things that you try you know, I, I have that quote from Eleanor Roosevelt um, in my desk drawer that says, "Do something new every day that challenge, that scares you." Wow. And um, you know, I don't have to try too hard to find those things <laughs> in my job. They but find you, huh? <laughs> yeah, just just allow yourself to be scratched and um, yeah. and to grow and to learn. That that has to be a daily thing in mm-hmm. in leadership. And and being willing to be humble that you and understand you still have so much to learn and, and so much to to continue to take in and and journey. I, and I again, I think it's important to um, to be an avid reader in order to do that. To yeah. um, to study the world around you and to understand um, people. Um, mm. To do some self evaluation and have others evaluate you and reflect back to you, your leadership. Um, That's not easy, but I think it's important to do and to be welcoming of feedback. And, you know, we use different instruments here in, in our, our territory, but there's all kinds of things out there where you can get feedback. And we do that as an officer team and have really open, honest conversations. Um, Great. You know, about where, where, where am I hurting the team? Where, where am I the weak link? And, you know, let's talk about that and how, how I can do better. And Mm. um, I think there's, there's, I could give you an entire list. I'm sure day and things that I think leaders need to be focused on. But those are a few that come to my mind immediately. Wonderful. I, I I think I heard with your team. You didn't say it, but I heard a safe place, uh, Sandy. As we're about to wrap up this podcast, how do you create safe places for your team that they can mm-hmm. really be honest with you? Because one of the things that I have seen that leaders do at times is to create this groupthink environment where if you don't think like the leader, uh, you're not in the in crowd. So how have you established with your team, if I were to interview one of them, uh, a safe place? Well, I I think it's important to talk about that with them, you know, as far as that this is the goal, and then to model it, and to model it as a leader that, you know, you don't, you you listen, Mm. and you listen um, and don't just immediately, you don't react, you, you take it in and listen and, um, and have genuine conversations and, um, and that you spend time together, you know, on a spiritual level and on a, um, on a social level and, you know, just really become 
become friends as well and develop a, an environment that is um, is one of trust okay. and don't break that trust. So when something's confidential, it stays confidential. Yeah. Um, when when you have open, honest conversations um, and you've messed up to be willing to apologize and to admit it and, and to be humble. Did you hear the quote, do one thing every day that scares you? <laughs> now that's a challenge, but that's what we do here at the Leadership Effect podcast. We challenge you. So let's be challenged by Ivan Williams from his segment entitled, Here's What I've Learned. Here's what I've learned. Making decisions is a part of the journey of life. Have you ever been torn between two opinions, two decisions? That's normal. That's a part of the process of learning how to be an effective leader. What's not normal, however, is not making a decision. It may appear to be a safe place by remaining neutral because of the unknown. However, staying there can and will ultimately be detrimental to forward visionary purpose. Hesitant leadership can be weak leadership and even paralyze ministry opportunities. I love what is written in a book called Gospel Workers on page 134, and I quote, It is even more excusable to make a wrong decision sometimes than to be continually in a wavering position. Delays, doubtings, hesitation, and indecision frequently give the enemy every advantage." Decisive leadership is better than no decision leadership. Once the facts are known, and the research is done, and prayer is had, effective leaders make the tough decisions, even at the risk of making the wrong decision. Here's what I've learned. Thanks again for joining us on Leadership Effect. We are your resource center, your growth platform. Every podcast will encourage you on your growth journey. Just go to nadministerial.com to find what you need. Whether you want to access all of the resources, find out more about our interviews, gain more insight from our guests, you won't be disappointed. Tell a friend about us. We're here to help you grow. Keep going so you can keep growing for God's glory. Leadership Effect. Leadership Effect is a production of NAD Ministerial. Executive producer, Ivan Williams. Designed by Halloran Hilton Hill for NAD from Anything is Possible. Written and produced by Ivan Williams. Edited by Taizi Snyder.